Dear audience, welcome to the world premiere of the third podcast of Thinking Psychologist. If you are here, something has caught your attention. And that attention is going to turn into a real big value for your life. That's the promise that Thinking Psychologist delivers. The main idea behind having such a podcast series for the season is there is there's so much happening inside our mind. and that mind can result into a success or a failure for each and every one for us we try to control the world around us but what controls us is of much more importance and it's been overlooked so during the course of this podcast series what we're going to look and delve deeper is going to be the human mind and learn about new tools tips and tricks that's going to make your mind fresher have you insights about your own mind and maybe and just maybe change your life altogether with that welcome to the first episode of thinking psychologist which is called called success psychology so to kick start this episode we have got a a really interesting guest on our show and his name is professor paul professor paul welcome to the show hi ash thanks so much for having me here today Wonderful to be here addressing your audience. I know you got a lot of people out there that are interested in psychology and meditation and Zen practice and really doing better whether it's as a student in your studies or a CEO in your business. <laughs> Great good to hear. Uh before you know I start all the conversation professor Paul you know I'd like to say a couple of words about you and then give you a chance to tell our audience more about you. So professor Paul is an award winning celebrity educator. coach and a therapist and also ceo of advanced ideas uh he's been on a mission for more than 35 years touching more than 100000 lives with his with his celebrity coaching and tutioning and then changing the lives of the people around him his motto is you know he provides his audience and the students a tool that help them exceed in life and change the way they look at the world altogether Professor Paul, would you like to enlighten our audience more about you, please? Sure, that was a great introduction. I heard that even I wanted to be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically when I was a kid, I started out in martial arts and that's how I got introduced to the Zen and the Taoism and all those types of things, all the Eastern thought. Um so that was one way for me to learn for me to practice. You know, my goal was always to help other people. So one way to do that was to teach the martial arts. Now, if you look at the martial arts, you might get in a fight once a year and if you're as good as me, it, it's under 10 seconds and it's done. So that's a very small percentage of your life. <laughs> so, what we focused a lot on too was the mental aspects because that you can use throughout your life. Um, so we considered the mental more important than the physical, which was kind of strange for martial artists. But that's how we did it. So I focused on that there and then of course I uh I did that in high school and then it was time to go off to university so I got various different degrees I got my original degree in business because my parents were going to pass their company on to me uh we had my company award store and then I I I love psychology so I took an extra concentration in psychology I had to work my way through college wasn't going there on daddy's dime so I had to you know uh go to school full time work full time and then work part time and then cheat in masters courses and that's kind of how my bachelor's <laughs> So as I was doing this, I got a job teaching on an addictions unit. So it was an adolescent addiction unit, so young kids that become addicted to really serious drugs and their lives have been destroyed, they would come and we had 28 days to fix them. So I ended up taking a a, a certificate in chemical dependency counseling. And then it was kind of a toss up, do I go into business, do I go into psychology? I flipped the coin that came up heads. Uh went into psychology and uh got a masters in psychology and then a masters in counseling and school psychology and then an advanced masters in community counseling and then the doctorate in counselor education and supervision that's a big fancy title that means that I train the guy who trains the guy who trains the guy who does the therapy with you yeah. <laughs> uh so as I was doing that um I started teaching as well So I love the teaching. So counseling was a way for me to do it one-on-one and that had a certain level of impact. Then I started doing group counseling and I was able to impact more people. I'm like this is fantastic. Then I went off and taught at university. I said, "Well, now I'm going to teach the next generation 
of counselors because I can't counsel everybody personally, but if I had this whole slew, this whole cadre of people teaching for me, then I'm having more impact on the universe. And finally, uh, I said to myself, well, why don't you record some of these trainings? People like them so much. I got so many different teaching awards. I said, well, I'll go online and do it, and then I'll be a national and international trainer. And I said, then I can hit everybody. And unlike my degree, which was like, you know, 12 years of my life and, you know, 150 to $200,000 later, I think I just paid off those bills last year. Um, I wanted a way that people, you know, for 10, 20, 30 bucks a course, they could go out and they could grab all my information and learn in somewhere between, you know, two to 10 hours, what took me, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 years to learn. Uh, so people could do for, you know, pennies on the dollar and for just moments of their time, what took me decades. So that was just a beautiful model for me. I, I love that, uh, you know, I make my entire living, my entire income, I spent all my time doing nothing but helping people, you know, that because that was the original goal. How do you help just people to, you know, make a living just, doing it? Just to, you know, get the attention of our listeners as well, how I got to know Professor Paul was from one of the life skill courses that I had picked out about, you know, modern psychology and, and, and just exploring the idea about the thing that we're going to discuss later and Mr. Professor Paul struck me so much that, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to kickstart a series about psychology because and I want you to be the first guest here because your courses are really life changing. So so that's where we interacted. Yes, sorry for stopping you, yeah, Mr. Paul. That's, that's literally how I uh, titled the motto for my company, Advanced Ideas. I wanted advanced ideas. So you realize that these ideas are advanced. They're not just typical average stuff that you can find anywhere. Uh, they're all brand new. They're all unique. And the second thing was uh, our tagline was transform lives. Trains that transform lives. <laughs> if it wasn't transformational, why do it? And that's one of the things I learned in psychology. If I were, uh, say, uh, treating you for a problem, maybe you had an anxiety disorder, you could tell me your problem and I could tell you the solution. And then in 45 minutes, that problem's gone and we're done. Well, I learned that I could teach you how I came up with that solution in about an hour. I just spent an extra 15 minutes. And now you can solve the dozens of other problems that fall in that category on your own. And you didn't have to come into counseling. You didn't have to pay me for another session. You didn't have to divulge all this heart-rending stuff, you know, that you might be embarrassed to talk about or not want to talk about uh, or not be relaxed enough to talk about. So this was a way for people to transform their lives, to kind of uh, pull back the curtain and show people how it's done rather than people, you know, hugging you on the way out and clapping. Oh, Mr. Paul, he's so great. No, no, let me show you the trick. It's like a magician. <laughs> You like this trick, but let's take 15 minutes. I'll show you how to do it. You can go home and impress your friends. I think that's the way psychology should be. It's a terrible therapist who solves one problem and then says, I'll see you again next week. You know why? Because in that week's time, you've already created five more problems in your life. We're never going to win. Right. <laughs> I teach these global skills, which I solve one problem for you while you're there. And then you go home and you solve another 30 before I see you next week. Now we're starting to win. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you know, thanks, thanks for that intro and outlook, uh, Professor Paul, you know, now uh, the, the topic of today's discussion, you know, the, the main idea is success psychology mm. and, and, the, and the overall, the theory behind having uh, this podcast is uh, one of one of very interesting moments that happened in my life. You know, so I, I'm, I'm a traveler by nature. I, I like to travel. You know, my, my birthplace is Ayodhya, you know, which is uh, one of the pillars of Hinduism religion, where Lord Rama was born. So I have already been very, you know, religiously connected. So during one of my trips to Dharmshala, and uh, I was, you know, as a, as a visitor and just curious into what Buddhism is all about. I'm walking around the monks and at one of, one of these calming meditative places, I'm, I'm sitting down and there is a, there's a person, a, a white person sitting next to me. And, uh, and he's, he's, you know, he's wearing those monks clothes and everything and, and I sparked a conversation with him. And, you know, I, in my opinion, it was like uh, he, he's a normal person who is just, you know, he's come here to find his spirituality or maybe wants to become a monk. But to my surprise, he was CEO of a billion dollar company in, in USA. And, and that's, that awe struck me. Why is a, a CEO of a billion dollar company uh, coming here and studying spirituality? And, and what is he trying to achieve? What's happening inside his mind? And then I went back to Ayodhya, my birthplace, and again the same thing. 
two of the white people that i struck over there were either you know very 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 well paid jobs in one of the large multinational organizations so to to figure that out what is it that is attracting these people all these already doing well people in their industry in their organizations so i i went back and googled for all the people who had come to india to study this spirituality and to my surprise i saw oprah winfrey i saw julia roberts i saw steve jobs i saw larry page i saw mark zuckerberg and all these big people coming down to india to study spirituality and to to tell you honestly a lot of the audience that is listening to this podcast is young college students and working professionals and we being in india and you know it's being such close to meditative meditative places and all that access that we have are we are we missing something here are we not tapping into that possibility or or what is that these other people are coming india taking with them and then going back and developing awesome products awesome services and which is winning the world and they are getting excellence so today mr paul professor paul this uh, our audience would like to gain your perspective and we would like to really understand what is that thing that they are coming for what is what is the what is the change that they are doing when they sit with their hands like this and just sit down and and achieve something and if you could help with us that would really help us in changing the lives of our audience as well thank you sure think about it from a couple of perspectives uh you're already successful you're a mark zuckerberg you're an oprah winfrey you're a bill gates you're, you know uh you've already made it to the top of the mountain So, why did they make it to the top of the mountain? Because they were very good at finding great systems to make things even greater, if that makes sense, right? So, they're good at finding better ways to do things. Well, think of it this way. What's the difference between me and Bill Gates? Now, I'm better looking, that's obvious, but the unobvious part, <laughs> okay, is that we have the same mind. So, his mind, you know, My mind is worth whatever it's worth, but his mind is worth uh, I think around right around 190 to 108 billion dollars, a trillion a billion dollars. That's that just depends on what the stock is fluctuated to. So, his mind has created an awful lot. So he's like, how can I tweak that and how can I go to the next level? They call it the uh, the advantage of the slight improvement. A slight improvement makes a quantum leap. So they're always looking for that little tiny advantage that they can get. So they go there looking for that little tiny advantage. People say, well, oh, it'll help you to mentally recharge, it'll help you to be more creative, uh, it'll help you to relax, to rest, rejuvenate, you know, maybe have some ideas come from your unconscious and float into your mind, which will be your next million dollar idea, and they look for things like that. When they get there, they find yes, those things are true and those are wonderful and that'll help you be more successful in your business, but here's the second challenge these people have. You're stinking rich. You're at the top of the mountain. So you got wealth, power, fame, glory, everything, you know. Like if you're Bill Gates, you don't like the way you look, you can just uh, have it sliced and diced and reconfigured and you go to the plastic surgeon and you'll fix that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got it all. Now here's your challenge. Very few of them enjoy it. Mhm. You know, I like Ben Affleck. I watched all his movies. I thought he was great at Batman. Uh <laughs> but uh he couldn't enjoy his life because he's been in the movie business since he was a teenager and uh you know he had Angela Jolie for his wife he's got the hottest wife he's got all the money he's got all the fame all the fortune and he's been an alcoholic for the last 35 40 years so he could have all these things he just hated every single minute of it so everybody's like oh god if i could only have what ben affleck has my life would be made and ben affleck is like you don't realize i'm like two days away from suiciding <laughs> <laughs> I hate my life on a fundamental level. Well, most people even if they're not alcoholic and they don't hate their lives, they don't enjoy it either. They don't have the level of enjoyment they could. You know, they enjoy it at this level, you know, a monk enjoys it at this level. Uh people do relaxation, they do a little education, they try to get a little bit up, but they barely move the needle. So it's a quantum leap when you start meditating in how much you enjoy your life because you you start to use that one tool that we talked about with Bill Gates. the one tool he had was his mind now the mind doesn't come with a manual <clears throat> my toaster came with a 12 page manual <laughs> okay <laughs> but the brain comes with none you know that's why it took me 12 years of education to figure it out a lot of learning a lot of research you know 30 40 years of trying to figure out exactly how the mind works 
And I still know only a small part, but the part that I figured out is fantastic. And like you said, I condense it down into minutes and hours, which took years and decades. So when they're going there and, you know, they're humming and they're meditating and things like this, what they're really looking for is that slight advantage and then a better way of life. That better way of life is worth more to them than all the gold in their vault. Ah. See, the reason, why did you get rich? Because you want huge piles of money? No, you wanted to be happy. You thought that would buy happiness. If I were just influential enough, if I were just famous enough, if I were just powerful enough, if I was just good looking enough, if I just had enough money, then I'd be happy. Then they got it all and they said, this is terrible and I've wasted most of my life. I'm old now. My life has passed me by. I'm still not happy. Uh, I kept making more and more money thinking, well, maybe a little more will make me happy because I wasn't satisfied. I'm never satisfied. That's why I'm not happy. And here I sit. So how do I get happy? That was the original goal. They basically wasted their entire life. I knew a broke guy. He was a janitor. He was happy all day long. He's like, I can pay my bills. I sweep. I talk to the high school kids. I'm talking to you, Paul. <laughs> I'm having a great conversation. My life is great. I'm like, well, how could you make your life better? He's like, I can't imagine it. I feel good every day. Uh, you know, I'm sending my daughter to school. I'm going to get my retirement benefits. Nobody bothers me. I can think my thoughts. I listen to my music. I talk to kids. I push my broom. You can't have a better life than this. So at the lowest tier, he found what people at the highest tier had completely missed. Mm -hmm. That's genius. He was a genius. Bill Gates was an idiot. <laughs> Spent all this time, got all these people together, made all this money, and then he couldn't enjoy it. So Bill Gates just recently started doing meditation. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm not going to tell you I'm great at it. <laughs> but what he does is he breathes in, he breathes out, he feels more relaxed, he feels more open, he feels a little more joy in his life, and he says, I probably should study it a little bit harder, but that's as far as I got. Me and my wife probably do it for like 10 minutes once or twice a week. But he's starting to see the initial benefits. He's starting to see it. As you see it and you, you crack open that door and you realize there's so much more, you watch. In the next few years, he'll make a serious study of it and he'll have that quantum leap for himself. I think that's what these people are really looking at. They're looking at it as a way to uh, feel good, make more money, and to tap into their unconscious mind and to work through a lot of their issues. Remember, a lot of these people are rich and fameless for one reason and one reason only. They're horribly, horribly broken. <laughs> they had a horrible life. That's the first thing they taught you in Kung Fu. Pain and power are two sides of the same coin. They're the same thing. The more pain you have in your life, the more you'll focus, okay? Why was I taking Kung Fu originally? Uh, there was kids at the school and they wanted to kill me and I disagreed. <laughs> I had to be able to defend myself. All the spiritual stuff came second. Once I cracked that door open, that's immediately what I wanted. But initially I just wanted to stay alive. <laughs> I noticed when I tied my uh, pants up with a black belt, those people and I had a totally different relationship. <laughs> might have been friends, might not have, but the issue was resolved. So that's kind of level one. And I think most people get into meditation. I want to relax, I want to recharge, I want to do a little of this and that, a little bit of that. But the true higher purpose, they don't even have enough education to understand what that is. They don't, they don't know what enlightenment is. They don't know the joy they can have in their life. They don't know that they can actually fix what's broken in them. I mean, these people are, are, uh, came from alcoholic families, they were traumatized, you know. Oprah came from like the worst household ever. And then she was an unwed mother. She put herself in one of the worst situations ever. And she still got massive success because once she learned how to control her mind, once she learned how to reprogram herself, she changed her whole life. Why? Because she changed the programming of the one tool she had, which is her mind. Ultimately, that's what all these people do. They get into it for the slight advantage, and then they see that there's this whole other world that's actually way more important than you know upping your gains 10% year over year. That's why they jump in. That's why they love it. The, the programming of the mind that you just spoke about, you know, a you know, lot of lot of people listening to you come from the software background and then mm. they really know what programming is all about. So, <laughs> you know, this, this programming of the mind, you know, where, where is it originating from and can we look at the codes and, you know, how does that work? Well, that's a great question. Uh, basically, most people don't realize this. You have different levels of awareness. 
So when you're learning and you're studying or you're doing a presentation like you and I are doing, you know, we've got our synapses firing and we're at a very high frequency. So we're in beta. Beta is where you see those really jagged lines on the EEG, which is the electroencephalograph. It's literally reading the electronic information in your brain, the amplitude that you're letting off, the electricity. Um, then there's alpha, where you're relaxed. There's uh, uh, delta and theta, where you're going into like a dreamlike state, and then when you're actually asleep. So when you're a child, uh, you're in the alpha and delta. That's where the unconscious mind is in control. The unconscious mind, when it hears something, it just records it and it holds it and then it replays it later like a tape recorder. Just like if people are recording your podcast. That's what it is. It's a recorder and it plays it back. It records it and it plays it back. So you have something called the imprint period. Between the ages of zero and somewhere between three, between five and seven years old, before you go up through the scales of brain function, where you may ask a lot of questions, but you don't question any of the answers. You tell a kid, this is how something is, that's how something is. They believe it. If I say, this is a bird and I'm holding up a pen and I say, hey, little Johnny, what is this? And I go, he goes, I don't know. And I go, oh, this is a bird. This is a bird. And little Johnny, I say, hey, little Johnny, what is this? And Johnny goes, bird. And I go, good boy, little Johnny. <laughs> and then he's at school one day and this won't work. And he's like, hey, anybody got a bird? Anybody got a bird? <laughs> he doesn't question it. <laughs> Whatever you tell him is like, it, it came from, you know, uh, from you to God to him. That's it. They don't question it. That is the ultimate answer. So during this imprint period, you lock in about 80% of your personality. Unfortunately, where did this personality come from? It came from everything that you recorded, which was what? Other little kids your age that were still pooping themselves. That's not a great source of information. Your parents who were haggard and working two, three jobs trying to support you, they were only home an hour or two a day and they had five other kids to take care of. So you got very little programming from them that was of quality. And at what level is are your parents doing quality parenting? My parents had, uh, uh, I have four sisters and then I'm the, the youngest uh, son. So I used to tell everybody they had four rough drafts before the final masterpiece. <laughs> what were they doing on each one of these kids? They did nothing to it parenting. They just practiced on each one and they got pretty good at it by the time they got to me. That's not a great source of information. <laughs> Although I had wonderful parents, so I put that out there. Uh, your other source is the television, which is to program you to be a good drone in society and buy products. <laughs> Don't attack the government. <laughs> be a good little hard worker. Work hard and you'll be wonderfully successful. Isn't that what they always tell you? And then everybody that was ever successful, they never did it that way. <laughs> that was only step one for them. <laughs> There's five other steps that you're not aware of. And then you've got your teachers and they've got to spread their information over 30 different kids. And they've got to slow down for the dumbest kids so they don't leave anybody behind. That's literally Florida's model. No child left behind. So what do they do? They dumb it down so everybody's behind compared to what we call intelligent people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you're a kid, you go through this imprint period and your sources are terrible. And this is the blind leading the blind. All these other people who didn't know how to make their life good are giving you their hidden secrets to how to make your life good. Mm -hmm. That's why there's so many gurus out there selling different systems. But very few of them even have good lives. There's lots of people that will tell you how to make a million dollars on the internet and they're not making rent. So the sources are horrible. So if 80% of your personality is locked in during this imprint period, none of these sources came from you. You're running a program that isn't you and is of terrible quality and you have no way to deprogram it. And let me ask you, I said that's 80% of your personality. What's the other 20% come? Well, the only thing it has to build upon is the original program. So if you extend a program out, just like if you roll a ball in a certain direction, unless it's interfered with, it tends to continue going in the same direction. Mm -hmm. You know, that's physics 101. An object in motion remain in motion less acted upon. Yeah. So yeah. what's the chances that the remaining 20% will look just like the original 80%? Say you're a pessimist. What's the chance that the remaining 20% is going to be optimism? Almost zero. Yeah. Yeah, it's at least 90% or 95% that it's going to be a pessimist. So that program will just extend itself until it's literally 100% of who you are. And that's what 
part of Zen is. When they look at the Zen philosophy, Zen is the study of truth. It's trying to find out what's absolutely true. And when you go back and you examine all these wonderful beliefs that you've collected over the years, these belief systems, I call them BS for short, <laughs> just because one, it makes me laugh, and two, it reminds you of what it really is. It's BS. Um, when you examine those things under the the bright light of day, like you would do in a court of law, prove it to me, or you would do it in a scientific lab, prove it to me that absolutely positively beyond you know all scientific discourse, this is true. 99.9% of everything you think is true is pure BS. It's just a belief. It wasn't actually true. You can believe all kinds of things. You can believe this is a bird. It doesn't make it true. It just makes it true for you. Mm -hmm. uh, not in reality. And then people go astray because they don't even have good information to act upon in their life. They're going on all these false beliefs. So let's recap. You don't know how to program your brain. You got bad programming in there and all you can do is run the program. And you were never taught how to live your life, how to reprogram yourself. So how are you going to win? Correct answer? You're not. You're going to lose. You're going to work very hard. And you're still going to lose. That's why these people at the top of their game, they look like they had won. No, no, no. They had reprogrammed a few areas or they had ran their program in a few areas where they made money and wealth and power, all the things that they thought would bring happiness. And you don't really realize happiness only happens between your ears. It happens in here. It doesn't happen out here. Out here doesn't matter as much as what's going on in here. So they lost. They look like they were winners. And they were winners by our program standards, which are actually terrible. Because not a single thing that they attained actually creates happiness. Not a single one. Although the money helps a little bit. I heard one guy he said, I've been rich. I've been poor. Rich is better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting take into you know the how our how our thinking and our belief systems are formed in during our birth and the imprint period that you spoke about you know going going into reprogramming our brain and then um, you spoke about zen meditation as one of the tools for that reprogramming as you mentioned could you could you enlighten our audience about more of these meditation techniques that exist out there and you know what what makes zen or you know typical buddhism meditation very different from each other a little bit of enlightenment into what what specific kind of meditation you know is the best or maybe the fastest to reprogram our mind to achieve success okay yeah you had two basic sources you had uh, lao tso uh, and you had buddha and when you put those two together, you have Zen. That's why they even have something called Zen Buddhism. They mm. try to combine the two. And at the end of the day, they're basically the same. Because what is Buddhism? Correct answer, nobody knows. Buddha didn't write down a single word. <laughs> Some of his people didn't even write it down because they were illiterate. They told to somebody who told to somebody who told to somebody who told to somebody who was finally smart enough to write it down. So even those teachings are old. And even Buddha would tell you, Buddha would say, my teachings were for me. You have to find your own path. He says, matter of fact, if you see a Buddha on the path, that's not a real Buddha. Hunt him down and kill him. It's a fake. <laughs> it's got to be original. It can't be, it can't, it can't be me because I'm gone. You know, I'm dead. It's not really me, then it's fake. So you have to find your way of becoming a Buddha. I can tell you how I did it, and you can follow some of those practices, but then you have to go on your own way. That's like telling your son or your daughter, go out and make money. And you ask your dad how. He says, I don't know, but go make the money. <laughs> you want to be rich like me? Want it as bad as I wanted it. I'll teach you some of the principles I use to make the money. But now you got to find out how you're going to make your money. Because the way you make your money is not going to be the way I made my money. So Buddha said the same thing. The way I find enlightenment is not the same way you're going to find enlightenment. And here's how Buddha found enlightenment. He tried all these different practices. He went to all the gurus and the ashrams and he hummed and he prayed and he flagellated himself and he starved himself and he did, you know, the, the begging for alms and, you know, the ice cold baths and the sitting on a hot rock for hours and in a, a block of ice because those rocks are hot. You need the block of ice after. He did all every crazy thing, sticking himself with needles, everything you could think of that was an ancient practice back then because they all promised serenity. Here's what he found. They all lied. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he literally sitting under a tree, you know, just sitting there breathing in and out, letting his own thoughts go, letting his own pain go, letting all his BS go. 
Uh, he found enlightenment. I mean, think about what enlightenment is. Think about the word. Enlightened. And meaning to remove, lighten, to be less. You're, you're getting, it's what you get rid of. And that's what Buddha tried to tell everybody. Oh, you're not going to come here and I'm going to give you something. You're going to have all this knowledge and then you're going to become better. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to talk about your BS, your belief systems. We're going to get rid of all these lies. And then you're just going to communicate with yourself. How do you do that? Through meditation, you spend time with you. And once you let go of everything that's hurting you, you dump all this baggage, you're lightened, you become enlightened. Yeah. Very simple. Enlightenment is not that complicated. Listen to your mind and then say, how do I so effectively hurt myself? How do I, how do I make myself feel worried, anxious, depressed, uh, pain, remorse, self-pity, regret, all these different things that are going through your mind? How do I let all that go? So it's not what you gain, it's what you remove. You're literally taking anchors and throwing them off your ship and letting them go. It makes the boat lighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You want to make the boat rise, you get rid of the ballast. So that's how you go up through the higher levels. It's not that you've learned something and you're smarter than other people. You're smart enough that when you got a hot coal in your hand, you know how you solve that? You let it go. Yeah, so just to just to add a point over here so what you're think what you're saying is that just by stopping and thinking about you know what i am thinking is a step towards enlightenment and that's what meditation is all about yeah here's what you have to do you have to understand the nature of the tool so what you do is you sit there and uh I think you and I were talking about this other, the other day. We were talking about a, a, a big, thick book. It was called The Relaxation Response, and it came out in the 70s. And it was like 365 pages. And if you just simply digested it, all it said was, breathe in, one, two, three, wait a second, breathe out, one, two, three. Breathe in, one, two, three, wait a second or two, breathe out, one, two, three. And if you just do this over and over again and try to reduce the number of thoughts till you get down to just one thought at a time, instead of all these thoughts coming in, you have a deep state of relaxation. Mm-hmm. Almost like bliss, almost like nirvana. And eventually you get there too, when you get good enough at it. So a lot of the uh, Zen masters, they said, well, here's what you do. Instead of thinking of everything, I want you to think only tree. And they said, what's true mastery? I want you to take the tree away. <laughs> <laughs> when you can, when you can think of nothing, I, th- I, think the, I think the Asian uh, word for it is Wang So. Uh, literally sitting with blank mind. Mm-hmm. I knew a guy in high school, I think he mastered it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't learn anything in class, but he had mastered Wang So. Uh, so what you're doing is getting down to the one thought so you can actually see and examine how you're thinking, how you're thinking the right way, what makes you feel good and moves you in the right direction, how you're thinking poorly, what hurts you, what's bad and is moving you in the wrong direction. When you see yourself moving in the wrong direction, you start to slow down and stop those thoughts. When you see yourself moving in the right direction, you encourage, you increase, and you focus on those thoughts. Very simple. This is the manual for your mind. Study what it does, notice what helps, notice what hurts. Do more of what helps and less of what hurts. That's mental mastery. People don't slow down. They think very quickly, oh my God, how can I solve this problem? How can I solve this problem? They look for all these complicated solutions and they try to take the next exciting course. And next exciting course gives them another illusion because that guy hasn't solved the problem either. And then they're lost again. They say, God, I tried so hard. I'm so sincere. Maybe the course even worked a little bit. And they say, well, I feel a little bit better. Yeah, because it's the placebo effect. You think you're feeling better. You think you found an answer. And it might even be a helpful little coping skill. But is it the answer that's going to solve everything? Uh, absolutely not. It won't solve it in any way, shape, or form. So you've you've simply got another crutch. The ultimate solution is you are going to solve your problems with you by spending time with who? You. Yourself. <laughs> exactly. The source and the solution to all your problems is you. You've been looking in the wrong direction. It's like if I got a problem in my car and the engine. Okay, I hear this I hear this noise in my car and I think it's the engine. I'm looking under the hood and it's actually I got a banana in my tailpipe. I'm never going to fix that. No matter what I do to that engine, I'm literally looking at the wrong end of the car. <laughs> I can tune it up and try to make it sound a little better. I can feel like I've done something about it, but it's ultimately not helping me. It's not doing anything. 
you have to solve the problem by having the right solution interestingly once once you once you put the meditation about slowing down your thinking and just focusing on one thought and then you know earlier you had spoken about the unconscious mind coming in and programming our mind how does slowing down the thinking and the unconscious mind relate to is it has it got to do with our emotional thinking or logical thinking and how how does this uh, slowing down and the thoughts and the unconscious mind connect well now you get back into the programming remember all the programming happens at those lower brain levels which is getting into the unconscious the unconscious mm-hmm. is so powerful it controls everything it controls your heart your breathing your lungs your nerves uh it's even running those programs and deciding what you think i go out for a walk every night literally when i get to the end of my driveway i got to go left or i got to go right which way do i go typically my unconscious mind will pick it i'll just have a sense that i want to go one direction or the other and that's the direction that i go in now before i never thought of that but now i know it's my unconscious mind picking that what the unconscious mind will do is it'll play a trick on you it'll say oh you decide to go this way because and it'll make up a reason later but really it decided from the time you left your house door before you got to the end of the driveway which way it was going to go <laughs> so that's the great trick of the unconscious mind we think we're thinking we think we're choosing things and we're actually just running these programs matter of fact here's how i can show you that you're actually programmed think about when you make your cup of coffee in the morning there's an infinite number of ways to do it you know do you put the creamer in first and the sugar second do you put the sugar in first and the creamer second do you stir it to the left do you stir it to the right which way do you do it when you drive to work do you take the same route every day because again there's an infinite number of ways to get to work I'll bet you do the same way every single day. As a matter of fact, when you come up to a light or a stop sign, I'll bet you there's certain thoughts that you have, "Oh, I should slow down. Oh, I got to look ahead. Oh, why do they put so many stop signs up?" I used to have people do a test. I would have them say, "Okay, just focus on your thoughts for like 5 minutes and notice if you come up with one thought in that 5 minutes that you've never had in your life. That'll be you. Every other thing is you just running those tapes over again. How do you know they're tapes because you've heard them a million times before?" If it weren't on tape you wouldn't play it over and over again. Yeah. So people are programmed in their unconscious mind. So what you have to do is when you get into the meditative states and you go down and you slow down your mind, you slow down those brain waves, you get into the unconscious mind. This is where you can program it. I mean this is literally how hypnosis works. Take you down through, get you from the conscious to the unconscious level at least partially where is a crack We can start putting some programming in of your own. How? Through gentle suggestion and repetition. But you also have to buy in. If you're saying I don't really believe this, I don't think this will work, then they can hypnotize you all they want. You can't be hypnotized, you know, against your will. And it won't go in. So what you should be doing when you're doing self-hypnosis is saying, "Oh yeah, that's so true and yes, I want that. And, oh, that would be fantastic." And really emotionalizing it, feeling it, believing it. Even if it's not true now because we know in life, you know, I don't know about you, uh, you might get paid at the beginning of the week, but I get paid at the end of the week. I have to do the work first and then I get paid. <laughs> okay? So, as adults, I think we're a little bit better in our programming and saying, "Hey, I know I haven't achieved this yet." but i know that if i work for it i can't avoid it just like if i do my work all day long i can't avoid the paycheck but a lot of people they can't see it right in front of them or it doesn't happen in the first 30 seconds they go uh i was trying to program my mind but i was just kidding myself ah okay you got to be able to see it down the road it, when i when i try to program myself they say well you got to do it in the now i do it in the now but i also realize it's going to take time mhm i do both but getting into that unconscious mind that unconscious mind is so smart it can do the lowest number i've seen is 200,000 transactions in the time your brain can do one you know in the time you could think pen your brain would have gone through the entire uh dictionary <laughs> <laughs> that yeah is, that so, is really powerful yeah and that's why so many powerful people use the unconscious mind what they do is they try to program their conscious mind they just say hey you know what i would love it unconscious mind if you would give me one good idea when i wake up tomorrow or just let it float into my mind during the day and what they do is right before they fall asleep because you're very close between awake and asleep you're getting into the, from the conscious to the unconscious that's a great time to do a little bit of programming and simply ask it to think about one thing or solve one thing and as you do that and it might take 30 40 30 days 90 days 
I mean, how many days do you care if it's coming up with a million dollar idea? It will solve a problem for you. It'll just come into your awareness. This works for two reasons. One, the unconscious mind is so smart. It has so much information. It already knows the answer. We are blocked. Our conscious mind blocks the unconscious. It can't get from one to the other. So when you're meditating, you're communicating, you're loosening those barriers, those levels between you and the unconscious mind, and you're getting closer and closer. So information will start to leak from the unconscious and give you ideas and solutions, along with all that peace and serenity that comes from the relaxation. What's wonderful is you get all those things at once. If you think of the benefits of meditation, you're going to get peace, serenity, and relaxation, that happiness and joy that you always wanted. You tried everything to do it. You know, coloring your hair, buying a new dress, getting a new girlfriend or boyfriend, marrying somebody, getting rich, getting at the top of the ladder, your education, all this stuff didn't matter. You get the happiness. Then, because you're going into those lower levels, that's when the body heals. So you get youth, vitality, boosted immunity, longevity, all these great things happen. And then you get the access to the unconscious mind where you're getting the ideas and the insights. Um, mm -hmm. Memory improves. Why? Because your memory is largely stored in the unconscious. Again, the conscious mind's kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. After listening to you, you know, why doesn't everyone in the whole world meditate? That's, uh, you know. I know, it's insane. It's, it's, it's a great advantage that people like you and I can have. You know, the, the one, two, or three percent of people out there that actually meditate. And even those meditators, most of them, probably in the 95 percentile, they do it completely wrong. I was listening to a guy, he had like the world's record for the longest distance swum under ice. I think it was Whoa. about like, it was like the length of a football field. It was, uh, I think it was, I, I don't do metric. It was 56 meters, which I think is about 60 yards American. Um, so about three quarters of the length of a football field. And how did he do it? He meditated. He's one of the world's best meditators. And what does he do? Here's how he described it. Here's what I want you to do. Relax, put your hands in any position you want. You can sit on the couch, you can lie down. There is no right position. So that's myth number one. You have to have the proper structure and you have to be visualizing this and that. And you have to hum this or that. And you have to have a certain figure position. He said, relax, breathe from the diaphragm, breathe fully, have it come in and out of any hole. I want you to take an oxygen and release carbon dioxide. I want you to do this. Like I said, focus on the one and you wait about five minutes, boom, you're a master meditator. All these other things are actually errors because if I'm teaching you specific ways that you have to think about while you're meditating, you're thinking about how to meditate instead of meditating. That's error number one. The one proven way is something that was so simple like he said, like the relaxation response book said, breathe in, breathe out, slow your thoughts. Breathe in, breathe out, slow your thoughts. Everything else is a distraction and a fiction. Wow. That's the science and that's the reality. You know, this, you know, this, this sounds really, really, really interesting. And, you know, uh, is there, are there any more techniques that, you know, psychologists use to, to tap into this unconscious mind? Maybe, maybe certain, uh, certain, certain courses or certain programming techniques. And, you know, how can we get, you know, much more connected to our subconscious mind? Because we, have, our audience is very, very young, you know. So yes. I'm talking about anywhere from from 18 till the age of 30, 35, I can guess. And you know, and it's it's the right time where we can, if we can tap into these hidden powers, you know, you see the potential in in next five years or ten years. You know, so how how can we? What's what's the way? How do we do that? Okay, um, it's almost like people have sleep problems. They can't sleep because. They haven't gotten into a pre-sleep state. They don't have a pre-sleep environment and they don't know how to quiet their mind. So if you're basically doing meditation, you're learning how to quiet your mind. So what I'll do is I'll watch a little bit of something or read a bit, little bit of something that's reflective. Maybe a self-help book, maybe a book on meditation, maybe a book on the subconscious mind. And I just get my mind thinking about meditation and improving my mind. So some kind of self-help something on TV or on a book. Uh, then what I'll do is I'll go for a walk. And as I'm going for a walk, what am I doing? I'm breathing rhythmically, I'm moving rhythmically, and I'm relaxing. No TV, no books, nothing that stimulates the mind. I'm starting to get into a relaxation mode. And I can see my thinking slowing down, my body relaxing. 
I'm, a, I'm surrounded by nature. Then I go and I sit on my couch. Breathe in one, two, three. Breathe out one, two, three. People say you have to do certain finger positions or whatever. I, I do the classic one because that's the way I was trained in the martial arts. All this is is an anchor. And what you're doing is you're programming your brain. You're making a, a neuro association, which means when this happens, this also happens. It's a trigger. Just like Pavlov had the dog, you ring the bell and it salivates because it knew food was coming. Why? Because once he rang the bell, he always gave you a treat. So the two got linked. That's a link. So this simply becomes a link. I know when I go like this, I'm in a meditative state. That's why people do that. That's the only part of these extra rituals that they add that works. Now you can put your finger on the end of your nose and say, every time I do this, I go into a meditative state. You can put your fingers on the side of your head. You know, I just do it sometimes by putting my palms up in my lap. Um, you can also do visualizations that are anchors. You know, sometimes I'll put my palms up in my uh, lap and I picture, you know, two balls of light in my hand. Why? Because when I'm thinking about that, I'm not thinking about all the problems in my life. <laughs> then like the Zen master, he, he lets the, he, he, he removes the tree. I forget about the balls of light and I just go in and I start having a conversation one thought at a time with my unconscious mind about what I would like to learn or what I would like to achieve today. And sometimes I'm just like asking my, un, my subconscious mind to talk to me. You know, tell me what you think I should do today. I, I, mm -hmm. I assume the humble position because I know it's smarter than me. Yeah. I know it's smarter than me. Yeah. I steer yeah. it. I, I ask for directions, but I know that the subconscious mind's running 99.9% .9 of my life. I'm just, the, I'm like the guy, you know, steering the car. The car's kind of the powerful part and in, in the, the part that takes a lot of intellect. I'm just the dumb guy that gets fortunate enough to, to tell the car where to go. <laughs> so I get all that power. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah. But that's why meditation is so important because now we can do the programming and not only steer it, but reprogram it so that our mind works the way we want in terms of giving us health, serenity. Um, and we can see the logic errors we're making. People say, well, how do I have better relationships? Here's how you do it. Have, have an interaction with somebody. And just like I said before, notice where you did very well. Program your mind to do that. Repeat that. Say, remember that. And then remember also where you kind of screwed up, where you looked at the other person's face and they weren't as happy as they could be. <laughs> okay. And say, do less of that. Let's take out that program. And by doing that, everything comes out perfect. I remember when I was working with the drug addicts, we did the uh, big book. And they said, how did they get such a beautiful book? The big book of AA, it's, it's called Alcoholics Anonymous. That's the mm -hmm. title of the book. That's the title of their organization. I, I heard a speaker, he said, here's the genius of AA. You watch people. You start with yourself and you say, notice what works and do more of that. Notice what doesn't work and stop doing that. If you write down those two things, whatever you write down will be damn genius. That's it. <laughs> A lot of people start out with the theory and they try to prove why the theory is right. And the theory is right at a certain level, but it's wrong at many, many levels. That's why when people say, I know the one true answer, they don't really know. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. yeah. Although, although, Mr. Paul, you know, it's, um, although once you put it, it sounds like a, a very easy thing to do. But I have had my problems as well when I was starting to meditate. What what one thing that I feel is you know there is there is so much backlog already about the thoughts that need to be cleared up before we could reach that state and it has taken me say about about five to six months to just to reach to that stage and your uh, you know the couple of courses of Zen meditation that I picked from you had really helped me out in clearing that backlog you know mm. it's like it's like you know it's like having a guide to clear those backlog really fast and you know if, if you know if our audiences also picked up that thing is there is there is there a way to reach out to you is there a, a, a guided place or a course selection that they can go and pick and listen to uh, would you recommend something yeah I've got a course I'm gonna be doing called a school of enlightenment and basically the theory behind that is that you go basically down my path. My path was to first learn different coping skills. That's how I did therapy. Instead of trying to attack the problem, I just gave you better coping skills. So if you had anger problems, we taught you uh, not only how to deal with anger, but basically what was causing the anger, which was uh, uh, relationship problems and self-esteem problems and past regrets and these types of things and old childhood issues. So as we improved your coping skills, everything got better. So, uh, the path that I recommend is take basically any course 
uh, that's good on coping skills. There's two areas, coping skills and the programming. So the two courses that I do for programming are the REBT, which is Rational Motor Behavioral Therapy. It's literally the science of how to reprogram your mind. And there's another one called NLP. It's how to program your mind through language. Mm -hmm. When you do coding, you have a coding language. We talk in words and in images. That's a language. It's also the language of how you program your mind. So between REBT and NLP, you've got this, the system, you don't understand how the software works to go ahead and rechange the programming to change your mind. My other courses like why do people do the things they do and uh, um, the coping skills one and the stress management one, those are all uh, how to have good skills that most people never learn their entire life. They go from the cradle to the grave, from the womb to the tomb, and they never learn these things. So they have so much of this huge backlog like you were talking about because they don't know how to deal with their problems. They were never taught how to, uh, to solve problems. So they didn't have that manual for the mind. So between the coping skills programs, the REBT and the NLP, you've got some nice manuals for your mind. Now, once you can do that, things will start to slow down the mind. Then you can go into the meditation and that's like getting into a premeditative state. I've decreased ah, okay. the weight that's on top of me. Now it's so much easier because all these uh, issues about things I haven't been able to cope with in my life, they're way subdued. They're way down. There's so much lighter. Again, going back to enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially you know, in these in these corona times, which is you know, which is spread out. There, there's a lot of stress out there, and you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about life. I think meditation is one very good practice that every each of the listeners who's listening out here, you know, should really adopt. And you know. Uh, personally, I would really, really recommend to pick up one of the courses of uh, Professor Paul's from, you know, and of numerous of the sources. And in this forum itself, you know, I'm going to request Professor Paul to provide us, you know, special discounts to the Thinking Psychologist fan club, so that we can our our audience can our audience can go ahead and access those clubs. Uh, so, with your permission, uh, Professor Paul, you know, I'm going to be leaving those links to those. Uh, discount coupons in the, at the end of this podcast and you know our audience will be you know obliged if you could do if you could do that for us oh sure be happy to do that yeah ah, super uh, thanks my, my recommendation for people is i tell people uh here's my wish for you don't be normal i want you to be amazingly abnormal because here's normal normal is lonely depressed uh suicidal overweight divorced broke you know i can go on and on and on that's normal. Normal means the average. You don't want the average life. You want to be abnormal because only about 1% of people really make it, which means they're happy in their life. Mm -hmm. And if you look at all those issues, you know, uh, you're having relationship issues because you never took a course on relationship. You got no money because you haven't even read one book on, on how to make money. You know, you feel bad about things that happen in your life because you haven't uh, done any studying of coping skills. Uh, you're sick because you don't take a multivitamin every day and you eat complete rubbish. You never took uh, one course on how to do diet and nutrition. Simple, simple things. So my wish for everybody is to be wildly abnormal. And the bar is set so low. It's like the average person with a four-year degree, they'll read one book between now and when they die and they say, oh, my career is my whole life. No, it isn't. Matter of fact, Barnes and Nobles, they did a study. If you're even, you know, that 10% of the population that actually read, 90% of what they read is basically soft porn. It's all romance novels and fiction and Harry Potter. Yeah. Only about only two or 3% are reading stuff on health, success, wealth, finance, relationship, coping skills, psychology, things that are going to actually help you in your life to understand how it works and to have a better life. I just find that fascinating that you can read, say, one book a year and be in the top like one-tenth of one percent of the country in terms of what you're reading. You're actually reading, you're reading something good and you're doing it on a regular basis. That's wildly abnormal. It's yep. so easy to be abnormal because the bar's so low, you'll probably trip over it. It's, <laughs> I think they dug a hole and they buried it. <laughs> that's how low it is. <laughs> so I want exactly. your people to be able to go out there and win. So that's why we're providing the discounted coupons and things like that and trying to give them, you know, uh, good orderly advice in terms of what to do. And it's simple. If you think you're worth it, invest a few dollars, spend some time, 
you know, I love that I can go out and I can grab a course for $10 and get 10 hours worth of information. I just think that's fascinating that I can get secrets of the universe and just sit there and absorb it. And I will be a real student of it. Uh, I drive people nuts. Uh, my wife can't watch me watch a documentary on TV because I'll watch it and I'll watch a few minutes. I'll think about how it impacts my life, how I could use it and how I could use it to help other people. And then I'll go back over it again to see what I missed. Do you know if the average person has to read something 16 times to get all the content? Well, it's amazing. I have books that I read on the regular that I will go back through and I read them again, I read them again, I read them again. So what I'll do to read a book is I read it, I highlight it. The book might take 20 hours to read, but in about 20 to 30 minutes, I can go through all the highlights and I get 80% of the value. And by doing that, it sinks into the subconscious and I get all of it. So I'll get 10 times as much, but I'm only spending about 20% more time on the same material. So that's what I want people to do with my courses. If you get through them and you try to rush through them, I had one guy send him like 20 hours of my material and I called him the next day or the day after and I said, how are you doing with that? He said, oh, I'm already done. I said, well, you got to go back and do it again because you did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you should have watched about 20 minutes of that and then lived with it for two or three days and then watched another 20 minutes and then lived with it for two or three days and did the same thing for about, you know, that, that should have lasted you uh, six months because knowledge isn't power. It's what you apply. So. As you're getting these trainings, as you're going through them, only judge yourself, not by how much you've learned, not by how many books you got stacked on the shelves. How much did you apply from that book? I'd I've got a library of 500 books. I'd rather you had one book that you used than 500 that decorate your shelves. Yeah, true. Exactly. So, so, so wisely said. You know, just to you know, just to summarize the overall discussion that we had today, Professor Paul, and you know, and a lot of good things came in there. So what what we understand from this discussion is that there there is there is a secret secret power inside our subconscious mind, and to unleash that subconscious power in that meditation is one of the tools, and and that tool is is powerful is more than is so powerful that all the top leaders and all the all the all the all the all the general you know all the knowledgeable people are starting to realize the power of that tool what we need to do is grab that tool have more knowledge about that tool learn about that tool more and start applying it and then hopefully and very hopefully we will see a very great positive change into our lives absolutely so, Ash, it's, Ash it's, summarized. I'm going to do a summary for you too. Notice that everything that I talked about, it was scientific. Mm -hmm. It wasn't spiritual. It wasn't mystical. Even this mysterious thing called the unconscious mind. That's a no. We know the unconscious mind is there. We know it works. We know there are certain ways that you communicate with you. We talked about the coping skills. Those are very logical systems. Hey, you do this, this, and this, and then you get a, you get a positive result. Also very scientific. Even the uh, meditative stuff. We didn't get to anything mystical. You focus on something, you relax, your heart slows down, you get closer to the unconscious, you get more answers, your health improves. These are all known scientific facts. We didn't talk about having these mystical experiences or chanting or humming or doing any of that. Matter of fact, Buddha said, uh, you know, if you start having a mystical experience and you're becoming one with the universe, you know what Buddha would do? He'd slap you. Why? Because he wanted <laughs> to slap you out of that. That's a distraction. The enlightenment is very mundane. Remember I talked about the enlightenment when you get rid of something? People say, what does it feel like, Paul? Because I'm enlightened. What happens when you become enlightened? I said, oh, it's this wonderful experience and you feel like a thousand times better. And they're like, did you see the universe? And you know, did God come to you? And did you see Buddha? And did you see flashing lights and all this? <laughs> I said, no, 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 here's what it's like. You're on the ground and I'm standing on your neck. <laughs> I do that for like 30 years and then enlightenment comes and I take my foot off. <laughs> People are in pain every day of their life. They're constantly being all this negative self-talk and all these negative things happening in the environment. And I'll tell you, in one split second, I no longer care. All that stuff just evaporated like the morning dew and it was gone. And that is enlightenment. It's the removal of pain. It's the removal of all your BS, when that is all removed and there's nothing left, what's left? Peace and serenity. Peace and serenity. That's what it is. 
Some guru tells you, oh, you're going to see flashing lights and your light's going to, your life is going to transform and energy is going to surge through your body and you're going to become one with the universe. You already know they're an idiot. Buddha already told us this. <laughs> he told us this, you know, uh, 2,600 years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, don't buy exactly. into it. But know that using these very simple processes that Ash and I have been talking about, you can do that speed enlightenment. You can have it so much faster. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so much easier when you got the instructions. <laughs> well, it was it was great talking to you, Professor Paul. And you know, a lot of me and Professor Paul keep talking about you know a lot of different stuff and what goes in goes into our mind. And hopefully, our audience today also got to learn a lot from him. And hopefully, in the future, me and Mr. Paul would do another podcast. And you know, if that happens, I would like to really focus on that self-talk and ego issue, where we can we can delve deeper into those topics and. You know, hopefully you will get to listen from Professor Ball really soon. Thank you again, sure. Professor Ball. It was, it was a pleasure having you on Thinking Psychologist podcast. Thanks, Ash. So wonderful to be here with you and all your students. Superb. Thank you, Professor Ball. Take care.